0: I would much rather not teach, um, if I'm honest. But I also want to be a man that can stand before a congregation with all integrity and say, I don't choose what I teach, but I allow God's Word to tell me what I teach. And that's one of these passages. It's One of those passages in the New Testament, uh, if not the Bible, that's maybe one of the most controversial texts in all of the Bible. Women in ministry so I would ask first, before I get into the sermon, uh, for grace. Um, I do stand with authority, but I stand with God's authority. Uh, know that these are not my words. Uh, these are God's words spoken through the Apostle Paul uh, to the church in Ephesus. But they apply to us here at Powell's Chapel this morning. There's five things I want us to consider uh, moving forward. That this passage... Uh, There's great danger that we'd leave here and we'd be divided. That's not my goal. My goal is to unify us through the text this morning. Uh, My goal is not to bring controversy to us here at Powell's Chapel. That's the first one. The second one is this. I have great fear uh, that we will let culture dictate what God's Word says rather than let God's Word dictate what God's Word says. Culturally speaking, this is highly offensive. I know that. Uh, But God's Word is highly offensive. Uh, But we want to stand on the Word of God. We do not want to stand on culture. I never want culture to dictate what I believe or what the church believes. Uh, The third thing is church history shows us how we are to apply Scripture. It's only in the last uh, 40 years or so that if you go back and you begin to look at the movement in the church as when controversy really began with this text. It wasn't really until 1969, the scholars say, when the women's right movement started happening here in America, that this passage became controversial. Uh, This stood the test of time up until about 40 or 50 years ago. So I want us to be reminded of that. Church history uh, is way older than American history. It's 2,000 years old. So we want to rest on that rather than rest on our culture. What the culture says is true. I want to, with all integrity, not allow this to be my opinion this morning, but God's written and holy Word to us this morning. And lastly, I'll say this. This is a very difficult text to preach and teach. I know that. There's difficulties throughout the text. Um, with, I'm not a great scholar, so I don't come with scholarly wisdom. I come with uh, godly wisdom. But I will say to you, it's been a hard week to prepare for. There's great difficulties in this text. And so I would ask you again for grace. I'll ask you again if you leave here this morning and you have questions, uh, let's enter a conversation rather than a debate. Talk about this freely and openly. What does God's word say? Not what, what is Todd's opinion about women in ministry? And so I, I will start this text a little bit out of order so I can set the premise for what I believe Paul is saying to us, the church, and to uh, us, the leaders, and to the women in our midst this morning. I believe if we can get this uh, out the gates and this will be our foundation, then I I believe there won't be much controversy. So I want to start with what the Apostle Paul says to Timothy. I want us to be reminded this morning the reason that Paul is writing young Timothy. Paul is writing young Timothy to fight the fight, to protect the church. So when we come to this text, Paul is writing to Timothy, hey, one of the ways that we're going to have to protect the church is there's going to be certain roles within the church that we all must participate in. And he starts, for whatever reason, I wouldn't start with what Paul started. I would have started with something else. But Paul is way smarter than I am, and he was inspired by God to start here. I'll say that. I would have started uh, with what we're going to go to next week, with elders. That's where I would have started. Like, Let's just start there, Paul. Oh no, you've you got to ruffle people's feathers, Brother Paul. Let's start with the ladies. But I want to say this. First and foremost, we'll start in verse 13. It says this in verse 13. If you're taking notes, there will be no slides this morning, but if you are taking notes, this point is there is an order. There is an order. It says this, For Adam was formed first and then Eve. So what he's saying is God established order. So we have to understand, what is the order that God established for men and women? And so let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Remember Genesis chapter one is at the beginning of creation and the Lord God had began to speak things into motion and put the chaos the, uh, and the cosmos into order and began to formulate the earth so that man would dwell in and have a place to reside in. And so there's the creation order. And you can see, Days 1 through 5, there's an order to how God is establishing creation. Just if you read through the creation account and read the order in which God created, it would make a ton of sense. Like, oh, it happened this way. There had to be a domino effect in the creation order for us mankind to live in and to reside in. But this is what he says in verse 26. And the highlight of His creation happened. It says this, Then God said, let us make man in our own image. Underline that words in your Bible. Those two words. Our image. After our likeness. Let us create man. Let them have dominion over the fish in the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and all of the earth and everything creeping on the earth. And then catch this in verse 27. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Who did He create? Male and female. And so I want to say this. This passage that we're going to talk about this morning rests on this. This passage is not talking about equality. This passage is talking about roles. I'll say it again. This passage is about the roles that men and women play in the church. See, he already has established the equality of men and women. We are all created equally. Male and female, we are created who? In the image of God. So Paul is not saying, hey, there's the lesser creation, which is female. He's saying, no, we're all created and we're all created in the image of God. And what has happened in church history over the last 50 years is we've taken this passage Passage in 1 Timothy and looked at it and said, oh, man and woman are no longer created equal. That's not what God's Word says. So we stand on the Word of God that God's Word says male and female were created equal. How are we created? In the image of God. So We must start there, church, this morning. We are all the same in the view of God. But I will say this. Though we are all created equal, We do not all have the same roles. The roles is what Paul is talking about in this text. There are certain roles for men. There are certain roles for women. He says it again in Ephesians. He says there are certain roles for certain people. There's those that are apostles, the preachers, the teachers. He's talking about the roles within ministry. And what he's going to share with us this morning is this: this is the role of the female. Within the church, if there's going to be order within the church, what happened has happened is what happened at the fall. That's why he said man was created, Adam was created first, and then Eve, and then the creation order got out of whack when Eve stepped in to the headship of the home and ate first, and um, the passive man sat by and let her eat. He, if he had just stepped in and led the home as where God had called him to be the man, we wouldn't be in the crisis we're in today. So Paul is addressing roles, ladies, in the church, not equality. And my prayer is that you women feel equal to every man in this building. But you would not want to assume the role of a man in this room. And I say this, I plead with you, I promise this, You do not want the role of an elder in this church. And I don't mean this church. I mean universal. The weight that elders carry. God did not intend for a woman ever to carry the weight of the church. That is our role. And I will say this as a way of confession. I am sorry, ladies, that men have not stepped up and led the church. That is on us men. Therefore, we have the chaos and the crisis within the church that women feel they must fulfill roles that God never meant to fulfill. So men, we are to step up and fulfill the role to which God has called us to fulfill, and that is to lead the church. Females are never meant to lead the church. That is our responsibility, men. We're going to look at that more uh, in detail next week as we look at elders. And I'll say this, not every man in the church is called to be an elder. There's only a select that are called to be elders. And out of that, then there's only a select that are called to be deacons. You men and I are going to get our feet stepped on in the next two weeks, I promise. So if you don't want to come and get your feet stepped on, I'm just forewarning you, don't come next week or the following week or the third week. Or bring uh, steel-toed boots. Because I'm going to tell you what God's Word says for us the men to lead the church. But this morning, women, I appeal to you. I appeal to you first what Paul says. If there's going to be proper order in the church, he starts with how we are to dress. Likewise, he says, also women should adorn themselves in respectful apparel with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls are costly attire. But with that which is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. What Paul is saying, it matters how you dress. Now what Paul is not saying is, do you, you do not have to dress like a hobo to come to church. What Paul is simply saying, this is not the red carpet. You, if I mean... And anyone else, Jenny loves, I mean, she loves this time of year. She loves award season. She loves watching women uh, dress up fancy and walk the red carpet for the Grammys, for the Oscars. Like, this is like the highlight of her year. She loves those kind of things. But do you know what those women are doing when they dress the red carpet? They're dressing to impress. They're dressing so that everyone will turn the camera from this lady to this lady and take as many pictures as possible to get the attention off this person and onto themselves. And what Paul is saying, ladies, when you come to church, it's not about you and how you dress. We are to dress modestly so that we don't take the attention off of the God that we worship in a worship service and put the worship onto us. That is what Paul is saying. What Paul is not saying, he does not mean don't braid your hair. If you want to wear braided hair, braid your hair. But he is simply saying, if you're braiding your hair to come to church, that people will look at your braided hair, then something's off in your heart. He's saying it's a heart issue. And so ladies, we implore you is what he's saying. And he's saying to young Timothy, hey, address the women. It's not about them, but it's about the holy God that they come to worship in church. That's one of the great beauties that we don't have to deal with a whole lot here at Powell's Chapel, we have beautiful women, but we have very modest women. I am so grateful for that. If you don't want modesty or you want modesty, don't ever go serve a church in Southwest Florida. It's either hot or hotter, which means clothes or less clothes, which means less modesty and even less modesty. And so we had to address this in our congregation. I'm just grateful. We don't have to address this, but what we must always address is the heart issue. Even if you dress modestly, but your heart is in a bad place, you, you might as well dress Im- immodestly and come into this place. Paul is addressing the heart. And so I beg you, ladies, please dress modestly because it's a reveal to where your heart is as you come into the house of God to worship. The next thing that he says is a after he addresses them and how they are to dress modestly. He says this in verse 11. Now here comes the controversial verses. So give me grace and stick with me with patience. Let a woman learn quietly in all submissiveness. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. This passage is not saying to you females, shut your mouth. And go along with the flow. That is not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying, we must look at where he starts. In verse 11, he says, let what a woman learn. These two verses are about how you are to learn the word of God. And so he's saying, I want you, I implore you ladies to learn the word of God in two ways. With quietness and with submission. And if you're a teacher, I'll ask this. Do you not want a classroom full of quiet, submissive students? Like, has anyone ever been in a classroom where you do not have quiet and submissive students? It's utter chaos. And so what Paul is simply saying to females, and it can be applied to men. Hey, when you come to learn the word of God, learn the word of God with a heart that is humble. That's what the word Quiet means, that word quiet does not mean shut your mouth and do not talk. That's not what Paul is saying. What Paul is saying, it's a posture again of the heart. Come with a quietness, a gentleness, ready to learn. That's one of the hardest things for me as a pastor, a preacher to do, is to hear other people preach. Because I don't always go into other people's preaching with a quietness of heart. I go in thinking, how bad is it going to be or what can I steal from them? Yeah, I said it. I don't go in wanting to learn for myself. I go in learning, hey, how am I better than that person or what can I glean from them to go use it? That's not a quietness of heart. That isn't allowing the word of God to wash over me and to renew me. I'm not having a quietness of heart. And what Paul is saying to females is, hey, let the word of God wash over you. And all humility. And then he says this word. The word that probably raises the hair on the back of your neck more than any other word in the Bible. With all submissiveness. What does Paul mean by those words? Again, he's not meaning the way we think of submissiveness. Just do what you're told and don't have any qualms about it. That's not what submissiveness means. He simply means this in the passage. That you would come to learn the Word of God and let the truth of God and submit your heart to the truth of God, that you would submit your heart to this. See, it comes along with a quietness of heart and a submissive heart. When we have a quietness of heart and a submissive heart, then God will reveal His truth to us because our heart is laid wide open to receive His gospel truth. And yet, how many of us come to the church with a haughty heart and a rebellious heart? That's why we're in the mess we're in. And what Paul is saying, women, come to the church and come with an open heart, a submissive heart, ready to learn the word of God. And again, men, I think this is on us. I believe we have used the word submissiveness to equal abuse. Abuse and submission are so far apart that they ought never to be used in the same sentence. But men, we have used our role in the church, in our homes, to call our wives to submission, but it's out of abusing them because we no longer look at them as equal to what God has called them to. They are just as equal as you and I. So then we look down on them rather than looking across to them as equals to them. And we've abused them rather than led them in submission. So we have a problem in the church because we have a problem in the home. So if we address the problem in the home, then we won't address the problem in the church. And so, man, I implore you, have you used your God-given role as the husband and a father in your home to bring abuse into your home rather than submission? Because submission will always come with a gladness of heart. We'll see that in a few moments. And so, I would say, who's our greatest example of living a life of quietness and submission. Was it not Christ himself? It was Christ himself that shows us the ultimate example of what it means to be called by God to then go lead a quiet and submissive life. This is a man that led a perfect holy life for 33 years and then abuse came his way and it says in the book of Isaiah, it says throughout the Gospels, he opened not his mouth, he led a quiet life if there's ever a man that could have raised up and had word against the authority and said no 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 not me not me i will not do that he led a quiet and a submissive life who did he submit to god the father god the father remember in the garden we just sang it we just prayed it he said lord take this cup from me but what not my will be done but yours be done i will submit to you and so we look to Christ, the ultimate example of what it means to live a life of quietness and submission. Christ knew his role. The Christ understood. we got to look at the Trinity. The Trinity is three parts. God, all equal. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They are all equal. No one has a trump card in that relationship but we see three distinct roles in the godhead we have god the father who leads the whole process god is sovereign and control of all things and then we have christ the savior or christ the submitter who submitted himself to god the father and then we have the holy spirit who is the support for all of us but they are equal in their godness, if you will. But they understood, each person in the Godhead understood their role in the Godhead and served within their role. You see, that's what happened to Satan. Satan was created by God. And he was created by God to do one thing in heaven. And that was always to worship God. That was Satan's role for all of eternity was to worship God. And you know where Satan fell off? When Satan decided he wanted to be God. He wanted to usurp his role. And take on authority that was never meant for him to take. It's exactly what Eve did in the garden. Remember what the serpent said. Oh no, no. You'll become like God. And in her mind she said, I do want to be like God. And she took an A and she gave it to her husband. And so it wasn't the equality that was under attack. It was the roles. That were under attack. And so what Paul is saying, and he says it again, know your role within the church. And then he says this in verse 12. I do not permit a woman to teach or exercise authority. He gives two different things, not to teach or have authority. What is Paul talking about? Here's what I believe to be true about what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the teaching role that has authority, doctrinal authority over the life of the church. I do not believe that Paul is talking about a Sunday school leader. I don't believe he's talking about a small group leader. I don't believe he's talking about a women's group leader. What I believe that Paul is saying is that the women are not to teach with this authority, with doctrinal authority over men. That is my role as your pastor. I am, we'll see that next week or in two weeks. It is my role as the elder to oversee the doctrinal authority that is taught in this place. And so when a woman is teaching, she's coming under my authority as I come under God's authority to teach doctrinally what needs to be taught in the church. What Paul is saying, do not allow women to go rogue. Like they must come into submission under who God has called the preacher or the pastor the elder the overseer and then it's my responsibility to give oversight to every classroom from infants all the way to the senior adults that's on me and you know what it says in James you don't want that role because I the overseer the teacher the elder will stand behold before a holy god and give oversight and I will have to give an account for everything that's ever taught in this building. You don't have to give that account. I do. So if you want that weight, sign up for it. But I promise you don't want that weight. And so it's my job as the pastor, the overseer, the elder, to give oversight doctrinally and authoritatively over the body. We're going to look next week. And he's called other elders to do that, to give oversight, to give protection, to give direction so that you will be taken care of, your souls will be looked after. That is on me. That is a frightening position to hold. And Paul is employing women, you do not want that. I don't permit you to do that. Because the role of a woman and the role of a man and the way God has designed women and the way God has designed men are totally different. He says that in the last verse. He says that like women will be saved through childbirth. He's saying your role. I can never give birth. Like that, That's never going to happen. That will never be my role as a man. I'll never give that. And so what is Paul talking about in giving childbirth? What he's saying is you women, when you go home and you lead your home and you lead your children, you, you have an oversight over kids that we as dads will never have. You moms spend way more time with your children than dads do. And so salvation is going to come through you as you are interacting with your kids. But at the end of the day, dads, it's up to us to give oversight to our house. But childbearing and and rearing children, salvation comes through the mom, not through the dad. What does Paul say? What does he mean by that? What he simply means by that is how you teach doctrinally to men and women and children in your home. Think of Mary. Salvation came through the woman. Salvation, Jesus Christ, did not come through Joseph. It came through Mary. That's what He's talking about. And so He does not permit women to have the leadership or the authoritative role in the church. And the other part He's talking about is that we, the men, we, the elders, would also give disciplinary oversight to the church. That if any discipline needs to happen, it will fall on the man, not on the woman. And so he says, and that last part, to teach or have exercise authority over men. Rather, she is to remain quiet, to remain at peace, trusting that the man will lead the church. And my greatest fear is that, women, you do not trust us men. And men, we've got to ask the question, where have we failed our women? Where have we failed them? Because if women are not living, living quiet and submissive lives, that is on us, the man. Because in so many ways, we represent God. We are God in the home. That's who we represent to our wives. And so if they're not submitting, you and I, the man, must look in the mirror and ask the question, what have I done to lead a rebellious heart in my wife? Because Jesus was able to look to God the Father without a rebellious heart. And he simply said, not my will, but your will. Be done. So ladies, this passage, again, is talking about roles. Not equality. You are all equal. We are all equal in the sight of God. We've been created by God. But in His creation, in His order, He has called men and women to distinct roles within the church. And the church gets haywire. When we flip those roles. And for too long. In America. Those roles have been reversed. And again I say. That is on us men. That is on us. That is not on the women. In this room. That is on us. And we all will have to give an account. Before a holy God. On that account. And that ought to terrify us men. How we have led our homes. And how we have led our church. And I would say this to you, women, this morning. If there's any part of you that rebels or responds with agitation to this text, I would ask you to plead with the Lord. To plead with the Lord. To change your heart. Because at the end of the day, you are submitting to God and God alone. Even as you submit to your husband, you will ultimately submit to God. And so if there's any part of you that wants to rebel against these few verses, you aren't rebelling against the husband. You are rebelling against God, the author of order of how the church and the home are to operate. So I ask these two questions as a way of application this morning. First to us men, Have we led well? Have we led the way God the Father had led God the Son? And if not, we must make confession. And ladies, have you taken on a role that God has never called you to? You must confess that as well. The church must have orders to do all that the church was created to do And that was to hold the doctrine and the truths of God in a sound way to present to a lost and dying world that there is salvation for all and all are created equal. We hold sound doctrine of the order that God has called us to as the church. Let us pray.